0: Welcome to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. My name is Sandra, and I'm the virtual mom bestie you didn't know you needed. Grab a cup, make yourself comfortable, and allow me to spill the tea on motherhood. Welcome back to the My Best Mom Friend Podcast. My name is Sandra, I'm your host, and today I don't have a specific topic we're going to cover But I am going to just talk through some Q&A questions that followers have left on Instagram for me to answer on the podcast today. So no particular order. I haven't thoroughly looked at these and thought of my answers. So these are going to be sort of flying by the seat of my pants. So let's dive in. Question number one, to sleep train or not to sleep train? Okay, so any of these questions, like should I do baby led weaning? Should I sleep train? Should I do this or that? It is completely up to you. And it's so important for you to remember that. Don't be pressured by society. Don't be pressured by what your mom or your mother-in-law says you should do or what your best friend is doing with her child it's completely up to you you have to trust your mom instinct you have to trust what you think is best for your baby and where your baby is developmentally so as far as sleep training if you're a new mom and you don't even know what sleep training is it's basically most people think of it as it's the cry it out method but there's so much more to that At some point, it is important that we teach our babies how to go to sleep on their own. I hate when we use the phrase sleep train or potty train. It makes it sound like our kids are dogs. I personally use those phrases myself. But it's really sleep learning and potty learning, right? So you have to decide... If and when you want to teach your child how to go to sleep on their own. A big reason that, you know, we sleep trained and other people may sleep train is because I don't even know how to answer this question. (laughs) I know I've answered it on my Instagram stories before, but so basically the way I see it is we rock our babies for up to an hour sometimes before bed, right? But I guess technically our babies are supposed to be able to be laid down in their crib in a semi-awake state and put themselves to sleep and eventually they do have to learn how to soothe themselves to sleep or back to sleep, right? I mean, we're not going to be there forever, you know, rubbing their back and and singing to them and rocking them, right? Like, I don't know, I guess we get to a point where we're exhausted, And maybe that is why we start sleep training fairly young. I think we started around maybe four or five months postpartum, I want to say. There are so many great sleep courses. Uh, We personally did taking care of babies, but there are so many amazing sleep coaches on Instagram too that I've connected with. And I think it's just important to remember that sleep training is not just the cry it out method. I think so many people, it maybe it's your partner that's like, we have to start sleep training. And then the moms will tell me, like, well, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to just listen to my baby, cry it out. But you don't have to, right? Like it can be you can start with letting them cry for one to two minutes before you go in and interfere because sometimes, our babies actually can put themselves to sleep or get themselves back to sleep after they've woken up. There were so many times where I would immediately want to go run up there and my husband would be like, wait a minute, just, just take a deep breath. Wait a second. We see him on the monitor. He's okay. And we would give him like three, four five minutes and he would put himself back to sleep. And I was like, okay, because had I gone in there, I would have completely disrupted that cycle and like I think, woken him up even more, if that makes sense. Um, So sometimes it is nice to just give them a second, maybe, maybe rephrase that in your in your mind to not say cry it out. Because when we say cry it out, I think it makes us feel like maybe bad parents, like we're just it almost like are we traumatizing our our babies because we are supposed to go in there and and care for them right like that is our job like babies need us like i would never suggest letting your baby cry it out for an hour or even 30 minutes right eventually we have to go in there and soothe them and help them and and show them that we're there for them you know like babies solely rely on us and they need us and this is our job but it's okay to go a few minutes and just kind of see what happens like th- that will not traumatize your child so i think it's just kind of experimenting with it seeing what works for you what you're comfortable with you can wait till they're 8 months 9 months 10 months you know some people their babies sleep with them till they're a year and a half or 2 years old right like you just have to figure out what works best for you and then do your research and do what you think is best, not what you know, Sally thinks or Karen on Facebook thinks or what your sister-in-law is doing. You just do what is best for you. The next question is how to give advice to partners of those going through postpartum on how to support their wives. So what I personally did because I really struggled with my mental health after having my son, there were just these moments where I couldn't really describe to my husband how I was feeling. And you even realize some of it is kind of irrational, right? But it's not really in your control. Like I knew some of the things I was feeling were a little, you know, out there. (laughs) And I, I could recognize that you know the hormones cause a lot of that that distress but it when you're in it it feels so real especially if you have you know intrusive thoughts like I did it can feel really really scary and I just felt all the time like I was drowning I was overwhelmed I felt like I was failing as a mother and at the time A lot of how I was feeling was either difficult to explain or describe to my husband or I just, I don't even know. I feel like some of it is hard to like admit out loud how you're feeling. Um, Sometimes you don't even really know how you're feeling. You're just crying when you feel like this should be the happiest, most blissful time of your life. So I would actually Google like how I was feeling and my symptoms and just like I would Google postpartum depression and I'd, I found these articles that were very descriptive in other moms' experiences and I would actually send those to my husband so he could read from someone who could better articulate it and gave really clear examples so that he had a better understanding of what I was experiencing, what my thoughts were, how I was feeling. And I think that really helped him have somewhat of a better understanding of what I was going through. And he was able to be incredibly compassionate. I mean, he was compassionate before I sent him those articles, but I think it helped him to better understand. Another thing you could do if you are, you know, going to therapy for your postpartum mental health, the way that I did, and I highly, highly recommend it, you could have your partner come to a session or two or all of your sessions if you feel comfortable sharing in front of them um, so that they really understand what you're going through, how you're feeling, and also can hear directly from your therapist on coping mechanisms so that they can help you through these moments and kind of help, help guide you through the coping mechanisms to get you to a a better place when you're going through a really rough day. On that note, there was another question on the postpartum mental health topic that said, postpartum mental health, why is treatment so hard to get and why is it such a long journey? So one of my biggest pieces of, of advice when you're pregnant I've said this so many times, is when you're searching for your pediatrician, if you don't already have a therapist because you haven't experienced, you know, any sort of mental health distress in your life previously, I recommend finding a therapist and scheduling an appointment for some time within the period of two to four weeks postpartum. And I say that because more than one in five women do experience maternal mental health the number as far as I know from last checking is one in five but because so many women won't admit it or don't report you know having these feelings the numbers I think are very skewed and I think it is much higher than one in five women so that's why I recommend already having something lined up and then if you're feeling fantastic after you you get through through those first 2 weeks of baby blues where your hormones are wacky and you're emotional. If you're feeling great after that, just cancel it if you if you don't need it. Sometimes it is still nice to have it and be able to talk about this this massive transition into motherhood, right? But you you can totally cancel the appointment. But the reason I say to go ahead and schedule it is because as a new patient it can take over a month to be seen. So whether you want to see a therapist, a lot of therapists will only be able to speak with you and do talk therapy. They can't all prescribe medication. So like for me, I've had a therapist in place for years that helped me through all my like childhood traumas and things I was dealing with. But she was not able to prescribe So I had to actually find a psychiatrist and my psychiatrist doesn't do talk therapy. I literally just see her. We talk about briefly like how I'm feeling, more of my symptoms, and she prescribes medicine. So I also really recommend finding a specialist because when my um, general practitioner doctor would prescribe anxiety meds or depression meds, he never really got it right. Um, And that's not to say that they can't, it's just that's not their specialty. So it was not until I saw a specialist for my thyroid and a specialist for my mental health that things were finally in balance. So unfortunately, it does take often well over a month to be seen. Like I literally was calling back when I was first looking for a psychiatrist saying like, I am in a very dark place. Like I really, really, really want to see someone ASAP. And they they were just like, sorry, it's going to be like five weeks, you know? Um, so when you're in a really deep, dark place, waiting three, four, five weeks to be seen is not fun. And then it, t- if you do want to proceed with the route of medication, you know, it can take up to often a month for any sort of antidepressants or anti-anxiety medicine to kick in. And it may not be the right one for you. Sometimes there's there's trial and error. You, you try one for a month, month and a half and you're having side effects you don't like or it's not really working. So they try you on something else and then that takes a few weeks to kick in. Like it is a process. It really is a process. So that's, I mean to answer the question i feel like that's why it takes a while to get in and then it takes quite a while for the medicine to work once it works and once you have the right medication for you it's like life life saving life changing like amazing i used to be incredibly depressed and then once i got on the right medicine after it kicked in it was this like wow i didn't know i could feel this happy every day you know like Medication can be great. Talk therapy is great. If you, if you don't want to go the the medicine route, talk therapy can be incredibly helpful. I personally do both and they work really well for me. But you know, to to take this a little bit further, it it's it's hard. Mental health is not subsidized. I don't even know if that if that's the right way to phrase that. Um but often seeing a mental health specialist is not a primary care copay for a lot of insurances it's a specialty which tends to be a lot more expensive again not for everyone but at least for me it always has been more expensive to see a specialist so like for a while my psychiatrist's copay was 90 bucks my therapist appointments were anywhere from 65 to 90 bucks a session i mean it's not cheap Thankfully, recently my insurance changed and my co-pays have gone way down, which has been nice, but it's expensive. It takes a while to get in and it takes a while for medication to kick in. So yeah, the uh, society does not support us when it comes to mental health. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, A lot of people can't afford to get help. So yeah, I don't know if that truly answers the question, but the The medical system when it comes to mental health is not where it should be. Um, a lot of people, I've been a volunteer for Postpartum Support International as a support coordinator, finding um, therapists or psychiatrists in, in people's areas and their zip codes and with their insurance. And I often feel like I'm not able to truly help those women that are calling in or those families because of who their insurance provider is. Or because of the zip code they live in. And it's it's fucked up. And I actually just resigned from my position because I felt so defeated so often. When someone calls in with Medicaid and I literally cannot find a provider that takes their insurance. It happened so many times that I I just finally said like, look, I I can't do this right now. Like this is just... It's really hard to hear these women, these moms, these dads calling in on behalf of their their wives, explaining how awful they feel. I ask for their zip code and their insurance provider. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. There's no one in your area that takes your insurance. You know, that's, that's hard. So yeah, our systems are pretty fucked up and I will leave it at that. <laughs> Let's move on to the next question. I love this next question because you guys know that I love chatting about this topic. Has anyone else's husband or partner snapped more easily at them since having a baby? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> if you follow my Instagram at my best mom friend, you have seen me talk about marriage after baby so many times because the very first time I put a A post out on this topic it went viral at least viral in in my standards and like the comments blew my mind of how many people were like whoa I thought it was just me and and my partner and I thought the same thing about me and my husband until I first talked about it on my Instagram platform when so many moms and dads validated that this is how their experiences as well I'm not saying every couple has a hard time, but from speaking with other friends and, and women on Instagram, it's mind-blowing. The Marriage After Baby podcast episode is also my most popular, most listened-to episode. I can link it in the show notes if you haven't listened to it yet. I get very real and raw about like what my relationship was like with my husband when we first had our son, so... I mentioned I had pretty bad maternal mental health struggles. We did not have any sort of arguments the first six months. He was just so compassionate to what I was going through. You know, we were in survival mode with a baby, with an infant. But once we turned the corner, I was feeling better. Our son was getting a little older. So around six, seven, eight months. We started getting into it. There was a lot of bickering and bitching at each other, and it lasted until I don't know, I think my son was about a year and a half. I mean, it was a solid year of not like we were fighting all the time, but it was rough. And this is apparently very normal. So, if you're going through this or you have gone through it, you are most certainly not alone, but it is so freaking hard, you guys. Like, You have this baby with this person that you love and adore and you have this expectation that it is going to be pure bliss. Like you, you understand having a baby is going to be hard. You're going to be tired. Your life is going to change, right? But you think it's going to bring you and your partner closer because through your love, you created another little human, at least that's what I thought. My husband and I never had arguments or fights before we had a baby. So I was like, of course, this is only going to bring us closer. So it was incredibly shocking and threw me for such a loop when it wasn't that way. And when we did start snapping at each other, it would be like, he would snap at me for the dumbest thing. And then I couldn't regulate myself and I would snap back. And then it would just go back and forth. And oh there's so many things at play that affect this right like our hormones um any sort of mental health struggles sleep deprivation the fact that maybe you're not as intimate with one another you don't have time for each other you're not going on dates you know there's a lot of resentment that builds if like the the mom feels like she's doing more than her partner for example which often we do simply because like if you're breastfeeding for example like your husband really can't directly help. There are things he can do, like, in the middle of the night, right? Like, he can then take the milk and put it in the fridge for you or clean pump parts or get up with you and then change the baby's diaper and, like, get them back to sleep. Like, there are things they can do, of course. But, yeah, a lot of resentment builds and it'll build on both sides and it it just causes all this anger and we snap And it's usually for the silliest things. Like things that would have never bothered you about each other pre-baby. Like it blew my mind how much. I don't know. Like just constantly butting heads. Constantly. And if you're going through it right now, I just want you to know that you are not alone. This happens to so, so, so many new parents. It is so unbelievably common It's just that no one talks about it. Nobody wants to air out their dirty marital laundry, right? We want to put out this like image that our relationship is great. Everything is fine. You know, nobody wants to admit that they're having difficulties in their marriage or their relationship with their partner. So Yeah, this is incredibly common and normal. Just keep communicating with each other. Try to, like, hold your tongue and not snap back as much as you can. Try and have the conversations at the end of the day about what bothered you that day. Because, like, we would just snap at each other in front of our baby. And it's like our baby didn't understand yet, you know. But, oh, I am so glad we're past that. And I just, I felt so much like, oh, my gosh, our marriage is broken Like, we just had a baby. This should be the happiest time in our life. And, like, are we going to get a divorce? Like, what you know? Like, it was bad. I cried. I cried a lot because we've never fought. This was so new to me. And I don't know. So, yeah. It's normal. You're not alone. More than likely, you will make it through. So, just keep pushing along. Keep communicating. And... More than likely, everything will end up being just fine. I actually read or heard someone at one point say, don't get divorced unless, of course, there's like domestic violence or really awful things happening. Don't get divorced until your kids are at least five. (laughs) And that says something because that's basically implying that up until at least the age of five, things are just a little crazy in your life, you're really, it takes a while to adjust to becoming a family of three or more, right? If you end up having multiples, it's an adjustment period. It really, really is. So just, I'm sorry if you're going through it right now, because I know how hard it is, but being on the other side of it now, I can assure you there is a light at the end of this new parenthood tunnel, both from the mental health standpoint to your relationship with your partner and also feeling more confident as a mom and having a better understanding of your baby and your child and what they need you really start to feel a little bit more of that mom intuition and learn to trust yourself so yeah (laughs) next question everyone says just wait until like it's a negative. What are some positive wait until moments? Oh, I love this question because oh, I did a post on this and I, I think I wrote it all out so beautifully. So I'm going to try to regurgitate it rather than looking for that post from months ago. Yes, early motherhood can be hard, at least for me. I did not enjoy newborn life at all. I more than open to saying that out loud but I love toddlerhood there was so much of like oh just wait till the terrible twos and yes we have tantrums we do but oh my gosh two has been amazing at least for us like okay so some beautiful just wait moments my son is only two and a half so I can only speak up to age two and a half (laughs) I can't you know, speak beyond that at this point, but my son tells me all day long how much he loves me. It is the sweetest thing in the world. So I went from having a colicky baby that was crying all the time. I was struggling with my mental health. My husband and I were bickering and bitching at each other to mentally feeling so incredibly stable. My husband and I, are now able to properly communicate again. (laughs) And I have a son who now knows how to communicate as well. and doesn't just cry all the time where I have to guess what his needs are. And he is the most affectionate, loving little human. I feel like the luckiest woman in the world to be his mother. For, For your baby to smile or your, you know, toddler to smile at you all the time, to tell you, I love you, mommy. Like he literally wants to hug and kiss me all day. He tells me like, mommy, you're the most special mommy in the world. And my heart feels like it is going to explode. (laughs) It is incredible. There are so many beautiful just wait moments around the corner. Don't let people's negativity affect you honestly and then you have a lot of the people that are like oh soak it all in because it goes so fast and then that causes us anxiety too because we're like we don't want it to go fast you know but it, those people they definitely mean well like I will be in a store pushing my son in a cart you know and and he's being really cute and lovey with me And some like older person will walk by and they're like, oh, soak it all in, right? I feel like sometimes that's nice advice because it does when we're in this hectic, busy stage and season of life, or we're working moms or you're a stay-at-home mom and you're just overwhelmed with being with your child 24-7 because they do have tantrums too, right? There are hard moments for sure. But it does hearing the whole like soak it all in thing does make you stop for a moment and realize like yeah you know I do need to focus and be a little bit more present and enjoy this time and not wish away all these different seasons that are hard I mean my biggest thing I'll say is every season is just a season the hard seasons will pass and the beautiful seasons will pass Right? You know, take the good and the bad and just know that there are good moments around the corner and there are hard moments around the corner. And just take each day as it comes, you know, navigate it the best that you can. But yeah, for all of those people that tell you just wait in a negative way, I am here to tell you just wait. There are so many beautiful moments that you're going to experience. That are going to blow your mind. When you have a baby, you're just like in survival mode. When you have a toddler, and I hear this all the time as they get even older, like from like three to seven, eight, nine, they, when they can finally reciprocate the love that you feel for them, right? Babies like, yeah, they'll smile at you and whatever, but they can't really show you how much they love you. But once you have a toddler that can communicate to you how he feels about you, and there are moments, right, where my son is like, go away, dada, that aren't so kind. (laughs) But when they can communicate and reciprocate that love, there is nothing more beautiful. I'm telling you, it is the most special thing I have ever experienced or felt in my entire life. The next question is when did you start to feel more like yourself having such a hard time adapting to working from home managing a home and finding time for myself feel like I'm kind of just going through the motions. So there is no timeline there is no timeline for like quote unquote bouncing back whether it's physically your body or emotionally we are all going to do things at our own pace. I will say I personally felt more like, quote unquote, myself around nine or ten months postpartum. You may not like hearing that if you're three months postpartum and feel like you're in a deep, dark hole, (laughs) but I'm just being honest. Some moms feel better at six months, you know, seven, eight months, a year. There's no timeline. And when I say, quote unquote, felt more like myself, I think I just felt a little bit more confident again, a little bit more high energy, not in this like postpartum funk where my mental health was not in a great place. Um, but it's important to remember that we will never again be the person that we were. W- w- you know, we are still that person, but so much has changed. Our our bodies have changed, our priorities, our fears, our hearts have grown. You know, we will never be that person. We have a whole new perspective on life, a new vantage point to things. You know, we may not like the same things anymore. Our friendships and our relationships will change. So much changes. You are not going to be the same exact person that you were. So if you're early postpartum and you're like, okay, How much longer am I in this, like, postpartum phase? When will I feel more like myself? You will feel better with time, but you may not feel like yourself. There can be this this real, like, identity loss or identity crisis where you really have to kind of navigate who you are now as a mother. But it's, like, it's also really cool because for me personally... I like who I am so much more now that I'm a mother than the person I was before I was a mother. Not that there was anything wrong with, you know, who or how I was, but I care about so many more things now that I didn't care about then. And so many other things don't feel like a big deal. I I don't know. I just, I changed in so many positive ways becoming a mother. And I'm really proud of who I am now. I really like the person that I became through motherhood it really is like a rebirth and we just have to come to terms with the fact that we will not be the same person that things will change and it's kind of like once you let go a little bit of the person that you were and you don't grip so tightly to her hand trying to like pull her into this season of life once you kind of let go and you just let let everything kind of be, I think that's when we kind of give in to this new version of ourselves is when we slowly start to feel better in our new skin, you know, more comfortable in our new skin. So I don't know, again, if that answers the question. Those are just sort of my thoughts on that specific topic. Next question. My husband is amazing with the baby, but absolutely no help in the house. I'm doing all the things I did before having a baby, everything from cooking to cleaning, laundry, groceries. I have repeatedly asked him to be more mindful of things that need to be done, but he just doesn't see the work. When I ask him specifically to take care of certain things, it takes days and I end up doing them again. How can I get out of this hole I obviously dug for myself? Oof, okay. I've talked about this several times on other podcast episodes. I specifically did one with the two dads behind Dads Who Try. I will also link that in the show notes. It was a fascinating conversation about how women and men are wired completely differently. And we talk a lot about the mental load of motherhood and guilt And we talk about it from my perspective as a woman, as a mom, and also their perspective as dads. And we talk about stuff like this, like, how do you guys not see what's right in front of you, right? So it's, it's really interesting episode to listen to. I highly recommend when you get done with this episode that you um, go down to the show notes and, and click on this other one. I don't think to answer the question that you dug a hole for yourself, I think that probably your partner was this way before you had a baby. But and maybe it didn't bother you. Just like what we talked about in the earlier question of like certain things that you bicker at each other about now and that bother you about your partner didn't bother you before. But now, now you have a baby. You have another life that depends on you. You barely have time for yourself. You're exhausted. And you need your partner to be a team player and help out. I highly recommend, and I'll link this in the show notes as well, either reading the book *Fair Play*, ordering the cards, or watching the documentary of it with your partner, so that he can also he or she can also see real examples of of how this affects the other partner and the relationship so it's really fascinating because these cards I'll link them I ordered them and my husband is actually incredibly helpful he does a lot more of like the visible tasks like emptying the dishwasher doing the dishes he actually does laundry like I am very hashtag blessed (laughs) that department with him um but I still do all of the like unseen, invisible tasks, right? Like all the planning, the list making, the remembering of the things, the making of the doctor's appointments and taking them and all the things you have to remember and plan, which honestly, sometimes is harder and more mentally draining and consuming than like folding laundry, right? So I got these cards And again, despite how helpful my, my husband is, my stack was much higher. So these cards literally have every imaginable household task on the cards and then all these invisible mental load tasks. So you can literally sit down with your partner if they're receptive to this and go through all the cards and make piles like a you pile and a me pile and a pile of like what we both do equally right certain tasks maybe you do and then he does them the next week whatever Um, and it was fascinating to me how much taller my pile was than my partner's so sometimes just seeing it visibly can help them but they have to then be receptive to being an equal player in this this game of life (laughs) you know like, but the other thing is, you know, so many times women expect their, their partners to see what needs to be done in front of them. Like, how can you walk by this pile of whatever 10 times before picking it up? And it's annoying. We just have to be, again, it comes back down to communicating. You have to communicate what you need help with, what you need them to do. And they're not going to maybe do it exactly how you would do it. And we have to accept that. Like my husband and I struggle with that often because he is more domestic than me. So <laughs> we're so flip-flopped in this this scenario where I will do something not to his standards and to his liking. And I'm like, look, I did the thing, you know, cut me some slack. You didn't have to do it. I did it. I know it's not exactly perfect but it's fine. You know, like it's not a big deal. So it's always hard because I sometimes see the husband's (laughs) point of view more than, you know, the woman's just because my husband and I are so flip flopped in like domestic chores. Um, I don't know. I just think communicating, saying what needs to get done, make a list, right? Make a list, a honeydew list and (laughs) split it up, you know, Or ask him, which things on this massive to-do list of mine would you like to tackle? And it is frustrating, right? So, like, I did this sort of experiment with my husband where I was like, you know what? For once, you get our nephew's birthday present, okay? Like, I had such a crazy busy week. I was like, you do it. And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. (sighs) Basically, every single day I had to ask him, hey, have you ordered it yet? Have you gotten it yet? No, no, like, I'll get to it. And it's like, you're on your phone all the time, hop on Amazon and do it. And then I don't have to keep thinking about it because that's what's hard. We delegate tasks. They don't do it right away. So it stays on our mind and it can stress us out, causes anxiety. And literally I, I kept having to remind him where I was like, for fuck's sake, like, why didn't I just get on Amazon and order it? Right. But I was like, no, I'm sticking to this. He said he was going to do it. I'm going to have him do it. And literally, it was the day before the party that I was like, dude, order the gift so it's here in time. Do you think he thought about how to wrap it or have any sort of tissue paper wrapping? No. He was like, well, you didn't tell me I had to do that part. And it's like, I gave you this whole task. Like, I just, why why did you just assume that I would finish it, you know? (laughs) I don't know. It can be so frustrating when you're the partner that does more of the things or has to Think through all of the things. Like, it is exhausting. The mental load is exhausting. I would rather do like all the domestic physical chores and have him do the whole mental load, but he would wait until the very last moment to do these things and it would just stress me the F out. And yeah, so you might as well just do it yourself, right? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why men and women are wired so completely differently. Like I said, listen to that other episode where we literally spent an hour talking specifically on this topic. I think it will be very interesting. I think it's something your partner can listen to as well. So I'll leave it at that. (laughs) The next question is, how do you find acceptance of the physical changes your body went through or is going through? And find positive body image. It's so hard when everything looks so different and you don't have the time or ability to work out like you used to. This is a a very loaded question because all of our bodies are so incredibly different after we have babies, right? Some women, quote unquote, snap back or bounce back what seems to be very quickly literally will look like they haven't even had a baby that their body never expanded and then many other women will have stretch marks loose skin um, discoloration you know you might have your breasts may suddenly be very saggy or your hips look wider Um, it's our hair's falling out right like there are so many physical changes to our bodies and one of the hardest things is when you are looking in the mirror and you don't recognize yourself, which is kind of what we talked about in the earlier question. I did a very lengthy post or not post, sorry, a very lengthy podcast episode on postpartum body image. I will also link that one in the show notes for you to listen to where I go in great detail on this particular topic. But I think, honestly, I think it just takes time just as it does with navigating your your post-baby relationships, your mental health, finding yourself again as as a mother. It's a massive change and it's going to take time to adjust to. Um, I'm not going to lie. When I first had my son, um, my breasts... I mean, I didn't even recognize them. They looked like deflated tube socks. I told my husband I have to have breast implants done ASAP. And I am very anti like plastic surgery for myself, not, you know, as a whole, but for myself, mostly because I'd never had surgery and I'm never going to sign myself up for surgery willingly. Um, But I was so unhappy with how I looked and summer was, was approaching and yeah I literally called to make a consultation and they were like oh you have to be at minimum nine months postpartum and like there was like a certain length of time you had to already have not been breastfeeding for there are all these stipulations and caveats and at the end of the day I'm glad I had to wait because I did end up liking myself again but it took a lot of time I think it's about really changing the narrative in your head. Like I created this human, this beautiful, beautiful human that I love and my body expanded to create this little life and sort of changing the narrative to not just how much has my, my belly expanded or my hips, but also how much, this entire journey and experience has made your heart expand and the the beautiful joy and irreplaceable experience of motherhood, this has brought you. And, you know, if you do put in some time to eat clean and work out, you know, some of that extra weight will come off. But as we age, I'm finding it's also more and more challenging you know, I'm working out the same as I used to and the, the results are not the same and I don't have time to work out quite as much or as hard as I used to. So I think some of it is not only having a baby, but just, you know, our metabolism changing or just the season of life changing. Mm-hmm um and just kind of learning to love ourselves i think as we age many of us do feel a little bit more comfortable in our own skin and with time you know at least for me i have a little bit more of like a i don't give an f attitude about how i look um there are still moments i look in the mirror and i'm like oh my gosh you know sandra <laughs> get yourself under control. It's time to go work out. But overall, it's pretty wild how much my own body image has changed through motherhood. Not the first year, (laughs) not the first year, but as time goes on and I become more confident as a mother, I'm getting a little older and more confident as who who I am as as a human, as a person. Um, I'm finding that my body image is also drastically changing. But just remember to give yourself grace. It took nine months to grow and build this little human. It's going to take you time for things to slowly shrink back down to some degree. So give yourself grace, repeat positive affirmations as you look in the mirror and remind yourself how beautiful you are. And the final question that I will answer is what do you wish you had known before having a baby? Oh, there's so much I could say to this one. Oh, okay. Where do I begin? So, I would say, first of all, just the immense amount of changes. Nothing that I know now would ever make me change my mind about having a baby. But all, I would say, all of the relationship changes is something I was not expecting. So, of course, the relationship with your partner, which we've discussed in depth now. <laughs> Just how much that can change, how you can have this beautiful, amazing relationship or marriage where you never fight and all of a sudden you bring another human into this world and all of that can change. So I would say that is one. And then how your relationships with yourself and your your friends can change. And a very important last one I would say is how your relationships with your family members can change in good ways and in bad ways. So you're going to really find out who's truly there for you. You know, there might be disappointment. Your in-laws or your own parents may not be the grandparents you thought that they would be. And that can lead to a lot of disappointment or even resentment um another thing that comes up for me and this is quite common but not not talked about is that um you may be very triggered about your own childhood once you become a parent like for me for example I did all this work in therapy in my 20s to navigate and and unpack and neatly tuck away all of my life experiences that had caused trauma or, you know, certain, certain things I was ready to let go of. And it's amazing how when you have a child of your own, suddenly all of these traumatic moments or just experiences of your childhood come rushing back. And you'll remember good moments And you will remember moments that you don't want to remember or things that you may have forgotten about. So when you have a child, you have this whole new vantage point. And if your parents did things a certain way that you would never do with your own child, you you can have these moments where you're sitting there looking at your, your tiny little, you know, baby or toddler or child, and you're like, oh my gosh. How could they have treated me this way? I could never do this with my child, right? Like, there's some degree for some of us of reparenting and cycle breaking and wanting to do things differently than the previous generations in our families. So, that is something that I 1000% did not expect, um, did not see coming, and didn't even realize was a thing. Like, I had never heard of cycle breaking or reparenting. So, that is something I wish I had known about. It wouldn't have changed anything. Um, and and knowing that my relationship with my husband would end up getting rocky wouldn't have changed anything about whether or not we would have a baby. I don't know how it would have prepared me other than just it not throwing me so off guard and making me feel so awful if I had known this in advance. So I think those are the the two or three key pieces that I wish I had known. Absolutely nothing to do with how to care for a baby. Um, I feel like I did do a lot of research on what happens to your body after you have a baby, as far as like the bleeding and, you know, all of that. Um, but many, many women aren't aware of that stuff either, because it hadn't been talked about much, right? Like what actually happens down there. Um, And then also just how hard postpartum depression was going to hit me, you know, having already suffered from depression my whole life and anxiety and being on medication for that. I kind of just assumed um, like maternal mental health issues wouldn't affect me, which may have been just very naive of me. I just kind of assumed I'm already on medication for this. Like, I'll be fine and that just wasn't the case at all at least for me so yeah there are a lot of things maybe not that I wish I had known but a lot of things that I didn't see coming and didn't expect so I also didn't expect to not want to return to work after maternity leave I didn't know I was going to feel such a deep like heart-shattering feeling as I was counting down the rest of my, you know, mat leave to go back to work, I loved my career and I just kind of assumed I'd maybe even want to go back before the 12 weeks was up, which is like the most ridiculous thought I've ever had. So uh, there's a lot that I did not see coming. So that is also why I have my Instagram account in this community where I share like the real raw moments of motherhood and it's not to scare expecting moms it's you know if you're already a mom I just want it to be relatable I want you to to come to my page or to this podcast and feel seen and validated in your own experience as a mother I want you to feel understood and if you know you're an expecting mom again it's not to scare you but you know I think it is nice to kind of know what's around the corner and some of it may not affect you some of it might and then at least you you know that it might be coming so maybe you can mentally prepare for it so anyways it would mean the world to me if if you followed me along on instagram at my best mom friend let me know what you thought of this episode if these questions were helpful Feel free to shoot me a DM and share this with your friends, of course. Subscribe if you have a moment to scroll down, leave a rating and a review so more moms and parents can find this podcast. I look forward to answering more of your questions soon. Thanks for tuning in. For more, follow along on Instagram at mybestmomfriend. I'll see you again next time.